Welcome to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. Thank you for joining us. This is Rick Wirtz. I'm the founder and president of Faithful Fathering, where the mission is to encourage and equip dads to be faithful fathers. Dads are prioritized physical presence, are engaged emotionally, and lead spiritually by example. The vision is to engage dads in raising a godly generation. Uh, here we're going to continue the discussion around uh, why faithful fathering. Why is faithful fathering important in your life, and why is it such a powerful movement in churches and society today? Why is it needed? Uh, I do want to point you to our website, faithfulfathering.org, all spelled out, faithfulfathering.org, where you can click on the Dad Talk button to see a, a history of blogs that we post each week that really complement these podcasts. Uh, There's also a plethora of other information and training materials that you can access as well on the website. And as always, this will be a very practical discussion that I pray blesses you on your journey as a faithful father. Uh, In the studio with me today is a dear friend uh, to discuss why faithful fathering is Eugene Johnson, Jr. Eugene is a founder of Man to Man Let's Talk, and uh, he's also a a husband and a a father of two, I believe a teenage daughter and a a younger son. Welcome, Eugene. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, man. Thank you so much, Mr. Rick, for inviting me back, you know, to faithful fathering. This is awesome. Um, I I think it's so important for in our discussion of who we are and what we do and just like you you said um, I am a father uh, thank God for that a father of two a 15 year old my daughter and my son who is seven years old Um, and I've been married to my bride for 21 years we've been together for 31 years yeah all the way from junior high man I'm from the great state of Louisiana and uh, been That's here. another country back uh, east of the ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The country uh, border of Texas. Yeah, so. yeah. That 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 state line that runs close there down the bayou. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we we made it over here as fast as we can, brother. We got on out of Louisiana to come here, and uh, it's been a blessing ever since. Now, you know what I do? I'm a personal trainer. I go to people's homes and I train them at their homes, um, as well as. You know I love to eat, and you know I love my pancakes. And so I make, I cook, I freeze, and I sell choo-choo pancakes, man. Choo-choo pancakes. Oh, yeah, cinnamon-based pancakes that's less than 100 calories, and, and they're about three inches wide, and they are phenomenal. No preservatives are needed. So I, I love pancakes. I love hamburgers. They, I, I like to try different burger joints and have a good time uh, over there. Uh, but most importantly, you know, I'm president of the man-to-man let's talk men's organization where it is a men empowerment organization where we create a safe atmosphere for men to talk about things we generally don't talk about and also bring awareness to god's definition of what a man is because there is a definition it is all through the bible when we take time to seek his word we'll find that definition so our goal is to bring awareness to god's definition of what a man is and to share that information with men so they are empowered of what God, why God has put them here on this earth. And knowing that each one of us have a purpose, assignment, and a calling. And we don't need a higher education for that. I'm not knocking higher education. But God set it up to where if we didn't get that higher education, just like the apostles, just like the disciples, they were empowered with God's word and knowing that you are worthy, you are enough, and you are adequate enough to do what God has purposed you to do. So... Our, our organization creates that atmosphere, and so men can come to the table 
bring their voices so we can talk and do the things that we need to do to fulfill the purpose that God has given us. So I'm really excited about what's going to take place and what we're going to talk about because you and I are going to sharpen each other as men today, and we're going to leave here better than the way we came in. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It was a blessing to have you, Eugene. I would, uh, I would agree with you that the higher education is what comes from the Holy Spirit. Amen. All the other stuff is that lower education Come that, on, brother. Uh, that brings us uh, hopefully in <laughs> sync with what the higher education wants us to yes, do. Sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, uh, on this particular session, we uh, want to talk a little bit about leadership because that's foundational for what a, a man and a husband and a father are all about. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we've abdicated a lot of that leadership. I say we have abdicated a lot of things sexual to the school and a lot of things spiritual to the church. But uh, we recently have had quite an incident uh, uh, in Uvalde, Texas, that uh, has uh, stirred up a whole lot of focus on what's going on with young men today. And whether you're talking Uvalde, uh, Buffalo, New York, or any given weekend in Chicago, Illinois, hmm. uh, you can see that uh, men, are, uh, young men, are struggling. And uh, I love there's an article recently uh, in the Wall Street uh, Journal back on the 26th of May that had an, it was titled Young Men, Guns, and Guardrails. Mm -hmm. And in that article, they referenced how uh, uh, family dysfunction uh, has led to uh, social and spiritual deficits in, these, uh, in the minds and in the hearts of these young men. There's really been a collapse of cultural guardrails, if you will. You know, the guardrails that used to be established and enforced <laughs> by dad. And uh, so the, the uh, number of homes that are single-parent homes with uh, moms trying to fill both roles or even homes when dad is, is present, he may not be engaged as the leader he's called to be. And I uh, just wanted to open that up to you. See, uh, what's your perspective? You deal with a lot of men, a lot of young men. I, I applaud uh, your ministry and, and how you do engage men to actually carry on uh, conversation. So uh, would you agree with that assessment that uh, family dysfunction and uh, social and spiritual deficits in young men today? Absolutely. Absolutely. And as men, it is our, it is our responsibility to be in the household to lead the way that God has designed for us to lead. So goes the men, so goes your house. Mm -hmm. And and not only a present being in there, but actively being involved in your wife's life, in your children's life, every day. That is our responsibility. And I challenge myself to do that every day with my wife to find out not just how her day was, but how does she feel? Mm -hmm. during her day. Same thing with my children. I, I always encourage my children to learn something new because mm -hmm. that's important uh, that to keep them from being stagnant. Mm -hmm. And to there's so much in the world today uh, that we can learn to better ourselves as human beings and also get closer to God. If we're not empowered, if we're not challenged, then we're, we're just going to be satisfied with the status quo. So I encourage my wife, I encourage my children to learn something new, and we talk about it. And that talking helps us uh, build a stronger relationship. If someone, in particular us as men, are not taking the lead in doing that, then we are limiting ourselves and we're also limiting the ones that we are stewards of. So with the, the shooting in Uvalde, the shooting in Buffalo, in, in, in the surrounding areas, 
the question is, where are the fathers in those boys' lives? Mm. And, and number two, where are the male, the men role models for these kids that they have seen and passed on? Because they've, they've witnessed these kids and it's like, well, I didn't know it was going to go in that direction. But they somebody knew about those kids who decided to make those decisions to take those lives that they didn't need to take. Uh, so we need to be involved in the people's lives in our home to ensure that things are going the way that God wants it to be. Because we can come up with a plan, Mr. Rick, but our plan don't mean nothing mm-hmm. if God is not in it. Sure, so sure. Our, our job is to be in sync with God's plan. And part of that plan for us as fathers and as leaders in the house goes right into those people who are in our house to make sure that they're on the same page that we are. And if we're on the same page that they're on, then we're on the same page that God has given us. In the same book, anyway. Now, That's right. Now, backing up, uh, who in your life, uh, was it your father, a father figure, who set up those guardrails for you? It was my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, dad, one of the things that come to mind about a guardrail with dad um, I don't know why this comes up, but first thing that comes is like, don't go in my room until I tell you. Do not go in mommy and daddy's room unless I tell you. And, and that's just one of those things because, you know, when you tell a kid don't do something, what a kid's going to do? Find a way to get on in there, right? But that was, when I think of a guardrail, I think of a boundary or whatever, that was one of those sacred things that dad uh, that mentioned that, Unless you have permission, don't go in there. Now, that goes along, too, with respect Mm -hmm. and the way that we treat one another and being obedient to those individuals uh, who are looking out for our best interests, you know, those adults. So, again, the thing that comes to mind is when Dad, you know, shared with us, you know, where to go and where not to go for all the right reasons. But our curiosity, you know, is one of those things that eventually get us in trouble if we get caught. So he had, so he established a rule that he enforced that rule. He that, is, that's right. He established <laughs> it and he enforced it, and, and I'm grateful for that. And it doesn't necessarily uh, matter what the rule was, just the fact that there was a rule. Absolutely. And you were to respect it, and you Absolutely. knew there were consequences yes, sir. if you did not respect the rule. Absolutely. Okay. And, and what are some of the wonderful disciplinary actions that you recall? <laughs> I don't know if we call that, it that wonderful. That knocked you back into the, uh, gar- inside the guardrails. Well, <laughs> you know, dad, dad is old school, and, and those are the times of physical discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, dad took out that belt and, and went to work. Sure. And it only took a few times for me to, to, to realize, okay, if I'm going to do this, I got to do it in a way not get caught or just not do it at all. <laughs> yeah. well, so dads out there, we're, we're here confessing that uh, maybe our homes were uh, involving a, a discipline that was beatings will continue till morale improves, <laughs> but we are not encouraging that. Exactly. You, you have to set up those. So, so what are some guardrails and uh, appropriate disciplinary actions that you've initiated in your home? Well, one of those things is the same thing my dad initiated. Don't go in the room unless you have permission. And that's one of the things that I, you know, remind my kids. I don't care how minute it is or don't be unsupervised. If you're not saying if mama leaves out, you leave out. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But along with the respect and and how are we supposed to respect one another? I'm all about the yes, sir, the the no, sir, the yes, ma'am, the no, ma'am. And and I believe that that helps put us 
keeps us at a humble state of mind. Because I even answered my son and my daughter, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, you know, to be the example of uh, the humility of how we should treat each other with respect. And when we get outside of the house that we continue that. Most importantly, um, I emphasize with my kids that I don't want you to go out in school and do all your activity and that you've proven you're making daddy proud. I said, I don't, don't do that. I said, what I want you to do is I want you to focus on God. And I want you to make God proud. And so in all the things you do, as the Bible tells us, that in all things that we do, we give thanksgiving, right? I mm -hmm. believe that's 1 Thessalonians mm -hmm. 5.18, um, is to, to give thanks. Well, who are we giving thanks to? We're giving thanks to God. So we also want to make him proud because without him, we are nothing. Mm -hmm. And so that's very important in our household that it's one thing that we do things or they'll do things and they say, well, I'm going to go against that because my daddy said so and this is how I'm going to get him. There's another thing to say, well, I'm not going to do that is because I know who's watching. Mm -hmm. So the guardrail is to make sure that my kids know that God is always watching everything you do. And even though I may not see it, he is. Mm -hmm. So the emphasis is definitely to make him proud every day. And are the guardrails the same for your 15-year-old as they are for Absolutely. Your Absolutely. To, to, to make God proud in everything that you do. And, and, and one of the things that uh, my, my daughter shared with me just yesterday, she said, Dad, I'm praying more. And I didn't ask for that. But I encourage my daughter to, to pray more when she go to school. Uh, make time when you're sitting at your desk. Mm -hmm to pray because mm -hmm. you never know who needs that prayer. It's one thing to pray for yourself, but I emphasize for her to make sure that she pray for others mm -hmm. because there are people who are praying for us right mm -hmm. now as we speak. Mm -hmm. She said, Dad, uh, she said, I'm praying more. And I said, baby girl, that's good. That's good. She said, you know, I've been talking with a lot of friends who have been battling anxiety and depression and, and dealing with a lot of things in their life, and they're, they're talking to me about it. Said, so I pray for them. I said, well, that's excellent. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what you want to do is you want to pray for those individuals. You want people to come to you so you can pray for them. So that is excellent. So prayer is very important in our house. Uh, every Sunday evening before we go to bed at night, we pray as a family, mm -hmm. take prayer requests. And one of the emphasis is, is that I ask them, to uh, make sure that they pray for somebody else in their prayer request, mm -hmm. that they keep that in mind, that it's not just about what we want, mm -hmm. but it's all about praying for someone else, that it keeps us in a, in a humble state of mind. But don't go in our room respecting and loving one another and making sure that we're making God proud. Mm -hmm. All those okay. guardrails that are very important in the Johnson household. Now, there's a dad out there that uh, is struggling with screen time. Uh, what are some guardrails you might recommend uh, for, for him? So dads have to fill in the gap of that screen time because many times we can implement the rule of, hey, I'll give you 30 to 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, then you got to come off. Mm -hmm. But we don't say this is what you can do next. And we expect them to fill in that gap. Well, they're not going to get it all the time. So it's a challenge for me that when I encourage my daughter, because my son doesn't have a cell phone, uh, he plays on the computer or something like that. But I make sure that I'm involved in that gap time 
of something uh, where we, we're doing something and they're not thinking about getting back on the phone because we're either having a conversation or we're playing a game. A lot of times we play cards or we play board games or we'll go outside. We'll, we'll get, you know, detached from the electronics and we'll do something outside. So I challenge myself because sometimes I don't, I don't get it right, you know, the times that I tell them to get off. But the times that I do, those are the things that I do. And I encourage the fathers that if you are encouraging your children to limit their screen time, make sure that you fill in the gap or you have something for them to fill in the gap with that will take their mind away from the phone. So you're saying, you're, what I hear you saying is you want to minimize their idle time yes. by making sure they're they're occupied with either, you know, I always say for teenage boys, we need to go back to small bales in the field so that we can be hauling <laughs> hay, keep these boys, uh, keep Absolutely. the idle time down to a minimum. Yes. But, uh, so your guardrails for that are to uh, minimize that time. And of course, I heard you say your seven-year-old doesn't have a phone which is absolutely, I'm, I'm all for uh, no cell phones and uh, particularly no data until the child's in high school. Absolutely. And, uh, and they, even then to monitor it and, and to stay on top of it. So that sounds like you do have a different guardrail for your boy. That yes, he sir. doesn't even have a phone at this juncture. Huh? That is correct. That is correct. He definitely, he loves to watch PBS. And the cartoons on PBS are very educational. Mm -hmm. And so he can watch that because he tells me a lot of things uh, about animals and and things in history that he learned from PBS. And so I can't, I'm not going to take that away from him if he's learning something, right? So he's not just being entertained by, you know, other cartoons that, that may not have as much substance as PBS. So I let him watch that and we talk about Uh, those things but at the same time he loves to play cards you know together and we love to play board games with with each other and and we'll toss the ball in the house or something like that or make paper airplanes you know Uh, again filling in that gap but I also have what I call imagination time for my son and so I say this is the time for imagination time to let him be creative Mm. and to do things with his toys or uh, art or something like that to, to just sit back and observe him instead of me telling him what to do to let him establish his identity as well. So there you go. Now you're starting to build a relationship. Yes, sir. And that's uh, that's quite a deal. Who, who would you say, is it your dad or were there other father figures in your life that really established, uh, uh, built the relationship with you that has you here today? Definitely my dad, number one. Uh, my uncle's. Um, as well as uh, some ministers uh, that that I definitely were encouraged and inspired by because uh, I love to listen to uh, people who are able to tell stories and, and to make it make it plain uh, for me to understand coaches. Um, there's some coaches who had a great impact in my life uh, from junior high all the way to college. Um, so there were pieces of the puzzle of individuals who, um, shaped, who helped shape my spirit to be who I am today as far as uh, those individuals who I would consider role models at the time mm. uh, to help me in my journey. That met you at specific times in your maturing process that uh, had an impact on you. Absolutely. And they, and they invested in you oh, as well. Oh, absolutely. They yep. invested in me. They spent a lot of time with me, um, and they shared with me those words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And they, they knew that I was seeking that, and they made time which was fantastic um, because I grew up listening to 
older people anyway and them telling their stories. And so that I knew that if I wanted to learn more, then I would spend time with those who are older than me and ask those questions. And, and Mr. Rick, there's one thing for us to be in uh, professional storytellers because you do have those individuals. Mm-hmm. That's their gift. That's what they do, mm-hmm. right? Sure. But how often do we hear about people who are professional listeners? Mm-hmm. And my goal is to be, you know, that professional listener mm-hmm. to those individuals who make the time to share the story with me. And I think that's why things are so, it works well in the house because I listen to my wife, I listen to my children and and make sure that I'm able to regurgitate mm-hmm. what they have shared with me. And sometimes it's not to their benefit because I say, well, you just said X, Y, and Z, you know, help me understand here. But those men have helped me to be great listeners when it comes to the stories that they had to share with me. And I honored the time and that they, they made for I'm me. assuming these men also had the... Uh a permission of your folks to say, uh, son, uh, you're drifting a little bit absolutely. outside this guardrail. Why don't you uh, step back in here, son? A- a- absolutely. And I welcome that. Mm-hmm. You know, all the individual who was, I wanted to get better in those areas where I was falling short. Um, to me, the resistance aspect of it, I'm going to do it my way, um, that, that was too much work. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that these individuals looking out for my best interest. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to disappoint them sure, sure. by by sharing, you know, by them sharing information with me that I go ahead and implement that the way that they delivered it to me. And mm-hmm. so I can go back and say, hey, look, this is what I did. Mm-hmm. And to make them proud, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and show them that, hey, I was listening. So, yeah, definitely. They, they definitely uh, shaped me and they sharpened me. Uh, my journey as a teen and a young adult. And they were leaders in their own right. Absolutely. And, uh, and now, uh, to wrap it, as we wrap this uh, this segment up, uh, now you're a leader. Yes, sir. So what? Uh, how do you, share a little bit of how you invest in younger men or other men uh, in, in showing and exemplifying, uh, helping them make sure they're in the right, in, inside the guardrails of life, if you will. Well, the first thing is I seek men to talk to, especially the young men. I don't wait till they come to me. I seek them out. And so uh, utilizing the platform of social media is a way, as a tool to be able to do that. Uh, the individuals in my network, you know, where I, we able to have like those monthly men check-ins, give them an opportunity to show up and to bring their voice to the table where we're able to dialogue about certain things. But what's most important through this is that I'm not, I don't have the approach of what I'm saying is right. Everything that I'm saying is right. Again, I want to learn from them just as they come to learn from me as well, which creates a better experience in communication with, with one another. But we have to lay the foundation now for those young men to see the value in communicating because even though it may be easy to you and I, it may not be as easy to them. We don't know what their story is. And, and they may be coming out of a shell a little bit at a time because of the trauma they may have experienced as kids uh, with the men in their lives that hushed them, who, who quenched their spirit. And so my goal is to make sure that the foundation is set, the atmosphere is correct for us to be able to do that 
and I'm not waiting. I'm going to seek them and encourage them and let them know that we'll be empowered by our conversation and we're going to be better human beings. We're going to be better males. We're going to be better men, you know, through this whole ordeal and to explain to them how much that I love them and how serious this is for us to do this on a regular basis. So I, on a regular basis, at least, you know, every day I pray to God and I ask him to introduce me to whoever it is that I need to be introduced to so I can share the words that he has given me to them to help them in their lives, just like those men took the time out to do it for me. So I seek them out, Mr. Rick. If they're willing to listen, I'm willing to share. Amen. Well, that, uh, that's what I'm concerned with there. Sometimes we, we read the newspapers, we see the headlines, we see the coverage of, of tragedies such as Uvalde, and we think, my gosh, that, that problem is so big, I can't even get there. Hmm. But my encouragement to you, Daz, and uh, what Eugene and I are encouraging you to step forward in is, number one, take responsibility in your marriage. This is uh, Marriages do not need to fail half the time. That's right. If men are committed to what they say, till death do us part, then you stay in that marriage. Amen. Secondly, invest in your children. The immediate household, uh, prioritize that physical presence. Be engaged emotionally and lead spiritually by example. That's the leader your family is expecting. And then finally, as, as you not at the expense of that, but is to complement that, is to simply look into uh, extended family. Yeah. It may be a nephew, maybe a cousin, uh, maybe somebody in your circles of influence in your church, but reach out uh, to a young man that you can invest in and uh, just sit and listen over a cup of coffee, over a breakfast, over lunch, uh, over some choo-choo pancakes, hey possibly, now, hey uh, whatever, whatever it takes. <laughs> uh, we want to make sure that we're opening the door to healthy relationships and uh, men, that's the leader that uh, our families need. That's the leader society needs to see. And one man, one family, one church at a time, yes. uh, we can right this ship. So, so man, that's our encouragement to you is to step into the leadership role that you're called to as the man, husband, and father. Uh, our Heavenly Father expects you to be. Uh, so uh, that's what our encouragement is. And that's the dad you're called to be. That's the dad the next generation needs to see. God bless and God speak.